Are you looking to learn more about investing in the central Indiana real estate market? You've come to the right place. Welcome to the Indie Real Estate Investing Podcast with TNH Realty, where we discuss all things related to investing in the central Indiana real estate market. Thank you for listening and enjoy the show. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Indie Real Estate Investing Podcast. I'm your host, Jeremy Tallman with TNH Realty. We are a residential property management company that services the central Indiana market. Today's guest is Mark Woodling. Mark serves as the Director of Market Growth for Riffstock. Welcome to the show, Mark. Thank you very much for having me on. Yeah. So, Mark, Riffstock's a company that we have a long relationship with. I mean, Riffstock hasn't been in existence that long, but I think we've been, you know, we, we've known about you pretty much since your inception, I think. We've been a preferred partner in the central Indiana market for Riffstock for a long time now. I've known a bunch of people that have worked there. Some still work there, some don't. Um, and so I thought it makes sense to bring you on and discuss exactly what Roofstock does today. And so before I get too deep into your bio, which I want to do, can you give the listeners a sense of, of who Roofstock is and what you guys do on a day-to-day basis in the real estate industry? Sure. Uh, we are really helping to transform the single family rental market and making investing accessible to anyone. And that includes everyone from your retail buyer listening to bigger pockets for the first time, getting all jazzed about investing in real estate, all the way to real estate uh, institutions that maybe are investing and have been for the long term or are looking to get into the space. So we're really filling this advisory role to many people that are typically out-of-state investors that need to have the right team, the right data, and really have a trusted source to be able to go to, to help on that investing journey. Right. Okay. That's a good synopsis. So, and we'll get into a lot of that in a minute, but tell us about you. I've, you know, met you briefly last week and just what, what do you do there? Like, what is the, uh, you know, your title is the market, the director of market growth. Um, that can mean a lot. So tell us kind of what you do, what you, what brought you to Rostock, what attracted you to Rostock. And I guess you're, you're kind of day to day there. Sure. Uh, so where to start? I'll, I'll just go quick bio. Uh, my role in the real estate world has been a, a quite a unique one where a lot of people get started off as like a real estate agent and just you know jump right in head first and really have that entrepreneurial spirit. Um, my first job right out of college back in 2001 was going to tax lien auctions around mm-hmm. the country for a private equity firm. So talking about distressed homes was like my everything, but distressed homes back then, you know, were really something that people were afraid of, right? They were afraid of foreclosures of tax liens of all things. That was like the big, you know, uh, the big risk factor. So I was taught to go around the country, drive for dollars, look at every property. And this is in 30 different states across the country. So 21, 22 years old, you know, just living on the road 75% (laughs) of the year. But I got to see the toughest properties. And then I would go back in the case the properties uh, taxes had not been paid and see the same property and see how 
properties can change year over year when they mm -hmm. are not taken care of. So uh, the fun part, though, I would get to go to auctions and bid on behalf of, of this private equity firm. So playing with other people's money uh, is a, a blast, especially when it comes to tax liens, where it's a first lien and we really had the frontline position. So your risk was there, but it wasn't nearly uh, right. the risk that you would have with like buying a foreclosure. Right. But uh, that was really the, buying pennies on the dollar or buying properties for pennies on the dollar. That was the industry. So I learned in probably one of the ugliest sides of the industry. And shortly after that, started working at Fannie Mae back in 08. Okay. And I worked on their REO team as an asset manager, worked my way up uh, as a manager, and then moved over to their auction group and was there for four years. So I was the guy selling properties on behalf of the largest call it landlord in the country with over 250,000 properties a year being sold uh, wow. during the height of the recession. So, mm -hmm. you know, drinking from a fire hose and working again across the country was my background. So I wasn't just this like a oh, real estate guy in Dallas, Texas, where I'm based, but I was really looking at this as a, an economist across the country and seeing how the markets were changing on a more local basis, where I would go into Detroit and try to sell something for $100 at auction. And it was a quiet room. We could not sell a property for 100 bucks. And it really taught me about who these institutional players were. They're buying pools. And it's really the beginning of the SFR world started with some of these conversations at Fannie Mae when we were selling by bulk. So such a cool background to have and have got along the way, became the chief auctioneer at a company called Zome based in Dallas. Uh, it's an online auction portal for real estate. So I was their first chief auctioneer and got licensed in 30 states. Uh, so I went, I went to school to learn how to call auctions, but online auctions are much different because you don't have to do any of the five to a little bit, now 10. And right. All that. Right. <laughs> but I uh, spent my time there, became a broker, uh, agent, worked across the country for a company called United Real Estate, uh, and then have ended up here at Roofstock. So uh, building marketplaces has been my thing. And what attracted me to Roofstock was the technology, uh, the incredible amount of data that's very hard to come by in the rental industry, as you know, mm -hmm. and really just the, the innovative mindsets of the executive team all the way down to every person uh, we're based in you know silicon valley in oakland california so you just have a different subset of people that had no real estate experience or some that did but that could put ideas together and make it happen so it totally attracted me to roofstock uh, and then they brought me on to go around the country and attract sellers to sell through roofstock so this director of local market growth is what it technically is um it was really just a you know, somebody that could come in, know how to talk the talk, talk to high-end investors that are maybe more local and really find a way for a relationship to be forged to help them manufacture properties to sell their roof stock, That's whether true. an existing portfolio or something that they're putting together uh, and basically fixing and flipping as like turnkey providers. So um, gotcha. been doing that and then moved over to this uh, you know, certified agent network, which we'll talk about in a little bit, but overseeing our referral system for agents, property managers who may have a sales department and such, um, and just been having a blast ever since. So, uh, you know, we've been through a number of unique markets since I started in 2019 and okay. continue, we continue to see something that's new ahead of us that we're trying to predict, but, you know, having a tough right. time seeing where the market's going, but uh, heads down building innovative products and, you know, really trying to figure out who our customers 
uh, are in the sense of institutions or high net worth individuals or retail buyers and, and just catering our services to them every single day. So, okay. So like I said, you've been there since 2019. I'm, I'm glad I was going to ask you that. I'm glad you, you mm-hmm. brought that forward. But so I have to ask this because like I said, we've worked with Rostock for several years. Um, and you guys, there's just been so many iterations of what Rostock does. And I have to ask you, because I'm sure some of the listeners are curious. There's been a lot of pivots, it seems like. And I'm not saying it's a bad thing. I'm just saying that's probably just how real estate is. You just mentioned it. Like, we're in a very different market today than we were a year ago. Um, talk to that a little bit. like Because it seems like Riftstock is, I don't say continually, but has maybe consistently reinvented itself and presented itself differently. Am I wrong about that? Or is that just the perception I get? from just kind of seeing things from afar. Sure. As a startup, we're growing. And mm-hmm. I think that's where everyone that sees a, a company from the sidelines will see it from a retail perspective and say, wow, mm-hmm. what's going on? What, what do I see on roofstock.com when I go there? So there have been a ton of changes to that retail aspect of our business. And But what you don't see behind the scenes is the institutional aspect of how we're helping build portfolios for some of these larger clients. Or we have a portfolio services company that helps trade portfolios from institution to institution because they don't want to piece off one by one and sell through mm-hmm. Roofstock or even through the MLS. So they come to, to Roofstock to say, hey, I have this bulk transaction. So I like to kind of point out there's a significant amount of work that's going on behind the scenes that's private, and but it's very impactful to the SFR world. Mm-hmm. What you're seeing and what I, I'm very involved in is the retail world. So back in 2019, our big thing was focused on how do we sell tenant occupied homes that are very difficult to sell on the MLS. So how to how do we work directly with sellers as a broker, which we are in all the states that we operate in, but how do we collect all the documents to look at the leases and ledgers and say, this is a quality income producing property that we think would be a good fit for roof stock. And then because those were off market, they were only on roof stock. So we built a marketplace to only cater to those types of properties. And then we would connect with property management companies like yourself and refer those over. So a buyer could build a team, have all the documents and feel confident that they could do this from far away and out of state. Because most of our buyers were buying from a thousand miles or more uh, from the actual subject property that they were Mm -hmm. looking to invest in. But it was just a one-stop shop, tons of documents, tons of analysis. And then Roofstock was staying behind all that data. So buyers knew that not only could they buy, but there would be what we call our certification process where we reviewed it and then we would give guarantees. So it just really raised the bar on building confidence with buyers from out of state. But over time, we started to shift because we said the market is so hot. Properties won't stay on roof stock for very long. And doing business development to find those listings was very, very, um, I would say, high touch. And so we started going to the MLS and saying, let's join the MLS and let's start broadcasting some of these properties on our website. And it really helped us diversify what our buyers were seeing on a day-to-day basis versus living in a bubble where they had to go to Roofstock and buy these off-market properties to competing in the open market. And we had to make some changes to say, well, what guarantees do we apply 
for MLS homes because uh -huh. we don't know a whole lot bef before you get that inspection or what guarantees can we offer? And so we did make pivots along the way to really cater to a changing market that to be frank, I mean, we were having a tough time keeping up with, right? Offers right. were being received at 30 at a time on some of these properties and we couldn't keep them on our shelves. So we had to go look to other markets uh, or other sources to, to really stock the marketplace and keep enough inventory on the shelves without it looking like, you know, there's a handful of properties at any given time because they're all under contract in a day or less. Right. So I have to pause just for a second because you and I had a realization last week that I think is really interesting is that our Jake Knight, he's our business development manager. He was, he's been on our podcast before. Right. Um, and I know his wife works for Roofstock. I know she got a job there a year or two ago. I don't remember what it was. And, and so I was talking to Jake and said, Hey, I got this guy named Mark Woodling I'm bringing on. And it's like, well, that's Natasha's. That's his, that's her, his boss. That's her boss. Small world. So small world, right? I mean, it's we have a, a married couple that work for each other for, for us. And uh so uh, you know, obviously we love Jake. I know you wonderful things to say about Natasha too, but I thought that was just interesting, just how small I guess our our world is when it all comes down to for it. sure. So, it's funny, you treat treat your employees like family, right? And so it's right. like you're you're an extension. I'll call you an in-law or some right. some sort. <laughs> so right. I feel like we we know each other without having actually met. But when we did meet, yes, that's a, a great way to break down and see how small of a world it really is. Right. Okay. So give me your sales pitch, Mark. Like I'm I'm an investor. Let's let's institutions are one thing, mm -hmm. right? Um and I don't know, there are a lot of institutions listening to this. So let's, let's talk about just, I'm Joe or Jill investor. And let's say I want to buy something on Roofstock. So can you walk me through why I should use Roofstock to help buy a property and what, what that process looks like? Sure. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's changed uh, really in the last few months, we've pushed towards automating more about the data process or even how we connect buyers to local experts uh, because we found that we were doing a lot of the transaction coordination services and in really helping buyers in their journey and handholding them when we had these agents that we were also working with that were doing the exact same thing. So it's almost mm -hmm. like we were dancing on each other's feet and it, it really made us think hard about what we're trying to do at Roofstock from a retail perspective and how buyers can come to Roofstock today and shop for properties and, and fulfilling their needs and, and doing it with the right parties, right? Which goes back to who you are and your relationship with Roofstock as a valued local property manager. That's really who we want our buyers to connect with in the end. We know there's a ton of work that goes into what you do. What There's a ton of work that goes into what the agent does. So what we decided to do is really become more of a data platform that allows buyers to connect with local agents. So value proposition number one is the analytics, the institution grade data that you're not going to just get for free or find easily. And so you can come to our website and we have identified what we think the rental estimate is on every property that's on our website. 
if it's on our website, it's been curated. It, it, we have really taken the time to tighten up this algorithm to find the right properties. Is it perfect? No. You know, are there properties right. in, with a, a burned out roof that pop up occasionally? Sure. Uh, right. Those are things that you just can't catch in analytics unless you have deep, deep, deep AI running on, on analyzing every square foot of the house. But mm -hmm. we allow buyers to come and shop and feel comfortable as a starting point in the journey uh, of whether they're buying their 10th property, their first property, or however many uh, they're adding in. But it's a great place to start that. Now, when buyers want to take action, we have a connection that they can make to what we call our certified agent network. And that's something that we coined about two years ago uh, to really hold the agent network more accountable and show buyers that these are investor-centric agents that we have a deep-rooted history with, have done tons of transactions, and that we get that history to pass on to the next buyer. So we vet, we qualify, we do reviews to make sure that the performance that not only buyers are getting, but that we're getting as well mm -hmm. is tip top. So it really starts at that point now where we are handing buyers over to an agent to help take the next steps and say, hey, is this rent going to get this on this exact street? Are, are you going to get this amount specifically? Um, and what do you think about the, the inspection report that comes back, right? And knowing what's local and customary, we felt was one of the strongest selling points to working with an agent and being able to have that boots on the ground that Roofstock could never fulfill because we, we very much are a technology platform and we didn't want to be the boots on the ground. But right. there's experts like inspectors and then that we can pass those buyers along to, but we said, why pass them along to our inspectors? The agent has that person as well. That's a deep rooted relationship. So whether it's title, it's the inspection process, we allow the agents now to take over that work to, to move things along and make sure that the, the agent can be in control. And again, we're not dancing on each other's feet. So overall uh, it's very much a referral program, but it allows Roofstock to stand behind who that agent is. And if the agent isn't performing, the Roofstock can control that and remove them from the network. But it really gives buyers the ability to take advantage of, again, all that history that you want to build a quick relationship with, with, with an agent or even a property manager uh, like yourself. So um, yeah, we've, we're taking all that history, putting it in one place. And so buyers can still take advantage of all, the, all those things today. Okay. So if I'm a buyer, let's say I, let's say I live in Indiana, but I want to buy in Memphis. Mm -hmm. um, you're going. To, I can go to your platform and see homes in Memphis for sale, and so that's going to be a conglomeration of homes that are off market and MLS. Am I right about that? MLS rules are pretty tight regarding commingling information, okay. uh, such as off market and on market. So these are going to be all on market properties uh, because the status is going to stay up to date through our data feeds that we get gotcha. from the MLSs. Acting as members of those MLSs allows us to get that data access, very much what you would have with like a Zillow. And having the most up-to-date statuses is really key where off-market properties, you know, you have wholesalers involved, you have daisy chains of, well, I got this under contract to sell to you. And you know, right. the actual seller is three contracts away from right. the contract that you're reviewing. So we just don't feel confident that the buyers that come to Roofstock will be in a position to, to manage that process without tremendous risk. Right. But, but if I'm a seller and I don't want to list on MLS, I want to list through Roofstock, I can do that. Right. So I, 
So there could be properties in Memphis that are just listed exclusively on Roofstock and aren't on MLS. Is that so right? that's that's the part we pulled. So we actually okay. are just doing MLS only now. Um, okay. And so that's that's been a pivot recently. So yeah, we're just trying to get get lean in terms of the technology aspect and less on the broker side. Okay. Okay. So I go there, I see all these properties and you're going to connect me with an agent in Memphis. That's going to help be kind of my boots on the ground person to guide me and zone in on rent rates, maybe look at the property, whatever. Um, and then I guess connect me with eventually a, some property managers that, in Memphis that can help me as well. That's right. And, and we, really think that the due diligence process up front is so important before talking to that agent because it gives the agents a further down funnel lead. And so as a buyer comes to the agent and we make that introduction, there's a specific property in mind. And it may just be a conversation point. It's not like you have to pull the trigger on making an offer, but it shows that you know what the numbers are you're looking for as a buyer. And now you're ready to have that conversation. And then we could collect information about total capital available, your timelines, just so the agents want to be able to pick up the phone, right? right? They have only so much time in their day. And by vetting these buyers, it makes the agents more excited, you know, to, to work with somebody versus giving them the whole story on why Indianapolis as a whole is a great market it's more about, hey, well, I found the property. I like the economics here. Sell me on the market. And then let's get going again and to see if this property is the right fit or there may be better fit uh, properties that the agent could suggest. Right. So I may have misheard you, but so you're not helping sellers sell properties through Riftstock? Is that? Not at this time. We're actually, okay. yeah, we're going to refer those sellers out uh, to some of our certified agents as well. So th gotcha. those- those clients that we had before love roof stock. They loved our process. It was just so resource intensive. And we found that the agent network can fulfill a lot of those same needs. And so we are referring those out. But what's cool is that the minute that one of those certified agents gets a listing, they can come back to Roofstock and say, hey, I want this back on Roofstock. <laughs> That's right. what those sellers wanted. They wanted the visibility and make sure their properties could be highlighted with accurate information, such as what the actual rent is or even an estimated rent on Roofstock. Okay, got it. So I think I know the answer. I think you sort of answered it, but your differentiator, like if I you know, want to buy, tell me the biggest differentiator Roofstock offers me as a buyer as opposed to just a connecting up with an agent and getting mm -hmm. something bought. Sure. Well, a lot of people start by going to Zillow and having their searches and just, you know, waiting for properties to, to kind of hit their inbox. Well, they're missing a few key components there, which is actually looking at what, what their metrics are. That's cap rates, right? That's cash and cash returns or whatever is important to them. And then being able to run those numbers in a simple way without having to punch it into a spreadsheet, right? Roofstock mm -hmm. has that all baked into one place. So when it comes to saving time, because many of the investors that come to us, they're not full-time investors, right? That That's a goal, right. I think, that many right. people have is to make this the, the full-time gig, but they don't have the time. They're sitting around at night after putting their kids to sleep and saying, whew, I'm, I'm beat, but I, I still am on the hunt. And how can I do this in a way that they can have those controls to, to do their own due diligence, to get started at least mm -hmm. before they narrow down or start doing the more intensive due diligence process, which, as you know, takes a lot of time you know, to run the numbers and 
and do the level of due diligence that is needed for one property at a time, but we get them teed up for being successful and starting that journey without having to play through four different websites and run all your numbers. Gotcha. So what's your opinion of this market? I mean, you've, you were there and you mentioned in 08 where <laughs> it was just a bloodbath. Um, and you've seen some really great times, obviously in the last several years. Um, this market's a little different now. I mean, what, what do you make of this market? What are your, what are the institutions? And I don't know if, how much insight you have into that, but what are your institutions telling you guys and just your overall, just Joe buyers and Jill buyers? What, what do they, what do they think of this market? Yeah. And I, I like to speak on behalf of the retail segment because that's where I get right. so deep in. And then I can speak high level. I don't really speak on behalf of the institutions much because I feel like giving a read there is, is just, it's not in my uh, data set, I would say. Right. So it, I'm, I'm really focused in on more of the retail uh, buyers. I'll start at the more granular level and then move up. What I have seen is that this is a great opportunity for a lot of the retail buyers out there, even though rates are flying all over the place and, you know, maybe rents are uh, not as stable in terms of like where they were growing uh, year over year mm -hmm. over the last few years. But I still feel like people are getting priced out of properties and there's a tremendous opportunity people meaning owner occupants, you know, it's harder to buy right now and investors don't sleep. They're there still sifting through looking at properties and maybe they did come across uh, some cash and they do want to invest and stay in the market. Well, I see there being a tremendous opportunity for these retail buyers because they don't have all the significant competition out there. And that's just what I've seen, whether mm -hmm. it's maybe the institutions or it's the owner occupants out there, but together investors that have their numbers tight are making offers and they have less competition. They don't have to go through 30 offers, like I mentioned before. So I have seen personally offers getting accepted where it's been surprising. Like my conversion mm -hmm. rate of what, what offers have been submitted through our referral program are getting accepted more so almost three times the amount than what where they were six months ago and wow. even a, a year ago. Uh, fewer offers are coming through, but those mm -hmm. that are making those offers are doing so, you know, in some markets like a, a Cleveland, 85, 90% of list price and offers are getting accepted. So wow. uh, we're seeing a variety of, of markets out there. I would say within the global, you know, the, the United States real estate market, it, you can't look at it as a whole, but I would see, say going down to that local level, you know, even Indy, what I saw a year and a half ago with turnkey providers you know, they couldn't keep a property on the shelf. They would fit, they, they were yeah. selling it before they were anywhere close to getting the rehab done. They just had a waiting list in line. I don't see that happening anymore. Mm -hmm. So I do see buyers, especially investors who are looking at multiple properties. They're not in love, you know, with a property they're, they're in love with the numbers, right? I, I see that is that emotional disconnect really helping keep in the game, getting offers accepted, even though there's fewer of them, it's, it's been uh, much more impactful in the sense of, of uh, finally getting offers accepted versus like having to make 40 offers on it you know, before you get that one accepted like that. That's yeah. a thing of the past. Thank yeah. goodness. How many markets do you guys represent? Do you know off the top of your head? Mm -hmm. uh, we're right at 50. So if you go to Roofstock, you would see 50 markets. Uh, I would call, 
markets like Augusta, Georgia versus Aiken, South Carolina, which is right on the border. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I look at that as two markets because you know once you cross cross a border, you got different tax rates, and mm -hmm. you know I do look at those markets as being different. So we're in a handful like that, from St. Louis to uh, Cahokia, Illinois, you know, as being kind of two markets. Uh, and a few others, but uh, 50 markets right now and still growing. So collecting those data feeds is, is not an easy thing. Uh, you know, you look at what Zillow did and what they offer is actually a tremendous product because they ended up joining all these MLSs across the country mm -hmm. and there's over 600 of them and they do things differently in every single market. And it, it's a, a tremendously complicated uh, uh, thing that they've pulled off. But the fact that it's there, I, I, I really commend them for having put that together because we're trying to do it in a smaller sense where it's more investor-centric right. uh, markets, which we're not going to be in you know, Anchorage, Alaska. It's just not worth going out there right now. But right. Uh, it, it, it is uh, something that we work very hard to, to collect and, and obtain and, and support and keep up on our website. So do you have a 50 markets, it's a lot. Although the, I think the, a great little nugget there, there's over 600 MLSs. I, I did not know that, I guess, but it's it's an interesting data point. <laughs> um, but uh, what's your sense of Indianapolis? I mean, do you, I know, again, you work in, you live in Dallas, you represent 50 different markets, but what is the, do you hear much about Indianapolis at Riftstock or do, what, what is your sense there? I do. I, I, in fact, I was there just a few years ago and I was very impressed with the fact that you know, companies like Salesforce have really planted their flag there. And mm -hmm. I think it's their second largest office. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, I, I know they've kind of gone back and forth. They've had some recent layoffs. Right. But the fact that the, the economy there is able to attract companies like that, and it's not just this Midwestern town that's maybe landlocked a little bit, you know, with big brothers like Chicago, not sure. too far away, that maybe attract some of the younger, you know, graduates or more mm -hmm. tech centric workers or finance workers, you know, especially in the last few years, India's before the pandemic brought those types of companies, which has been the impressive part and why I think you're in a great place being, you know, lower value points, which are attractive to investors or yeah. a, a new family to move. You have the suburbs, you have the land to be able to kind of expand and still be within a relatively reasonable commute. Uh, and then you have a ton of colleges in the area, which, you know, that is going to forever attract and kind of be the revolving door of this youthful, uh, you know, uh, tech savvy group that is going to bring in new ideas and, and a new feel to a city. So without getting so specific down to the neighborhoods and, and based on what I have seen pre-pandemic in terms of the turnkey providers, the amount of investors that have been focused there and that start to shop outside areas like Fort Wayne, where it's mm -hmm. like, that's a totally different market, but it's because it was so competitive in an indie, there was you know, a, a need to go look for right. the alternative smaller cities to invest in. I, I think indie will forever... Uh, be able to maintain that that type of interest and just kind of label itself as a cool city, especially having you know any type of NFL team, right? You know, or, or then with college on top of mm -hmm. it. I know those are that's big competition to be able to support right. the appetite of that many sports fans. But wow, I mean, you guys do it all out there. So yeah, as I see your flag in the background is for uh, the Hoosier yeah. the Hoosier State. Like it, 
to me is a, it's kind of a, a fan's heaven out there yeah. to be young and or older and follow a team and just, you know, be, be in a sports heaven out there. That's pretty cool. Yeah, it is. I mean, it's Indianapolis does sporting events. I think I'm you know, obviously biased, but better than anybody. I mean, we just, we have the facilities, we have the infrastructure, um, you know, we, we can really host a tournament really well. <laughs> and, uh, and it's funny, you mentioned, you know, some, cause I remember this term, I haven't heard it in a long time. Um, when people talk about Indy was we had a reputation of a brain drain, right? There was a lot of, like, there's some good universities in Indiana and, for a long time, we had the reputation of they all left. Right. And I think you're starting to see, I haven't, it's funny because I haven't heard that in a long time. Like I haven't heard people talking about the brain drain going on. I'm sure there's some of it for sure, but um, I think more people are, you know, building businesses here, big businesses, and some of those brains are, are staying here. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's good. I, I love that. And gosh, when, when it talks, when you talk about like affordability, I think that to me is going to be something that carries on for the long haul. Like I'm in Dallas, Dallas never had its big spike until recently where it became like the job center of the United States. I mean, if you have the jobs, you have a culture and you can attract new people. I think the affordability aspect, you have a lot of room for attracting people that are making good money or maybe they're making no money, but they could still find a way to live. Uh, I just, I feel like that is a part of the Midwest that you won't get in Chicago where taxes are just so crazy, but like you're in a very, a really great sweet spot where it's, you you go a little bit North North and you got a Cleveland and it's just, it's not going to be that type of market. Like Cleveland has been notorious for, you know, having its ups and downs and being, being very blue collar, but the way the, the, work from home has impacted and people have discovered cities maybe that they wouldn't have given a chance to. I think that is going to carry on and it's not just going to flip around where everybody's moving right back to Chicago or, or New York city. It's like people have that flexibility and work is important. And if their, their employers are telling them go back to the office and they don't want to, maybe they're going to stay planted there and then find that new job. So right. uh, I, I'm bullish, I think, to summarize on, on the way Indy has looked over the last few years and where it's going in the next 10. Okay. So we used to, as I mentioned before, with the lead here, we, we used to pick up several properties from Rostock. I think one year we did, I mean, close to 50, I think, maybe three or four years ago. And then you guys, and I don't know, I, I want to ask you this because I, mm-hmm. I'm curious, and but maybe you don't, you may not have an answer, and that's fine. But you guys bought a property management company, that's right. Yes, and so obviously the leads have fallen off. We actually got one this week, which strangely enough, um, but it's the first one we've had in quite a while. How, why did you buy it, and do you have a sense of how it's working out for you? I'm just curious. Sure. And so we, we bought two actually in the last okay. few few years. So there's Great Jones mm-hmm. and we have Street Lane. So Great Jones uh, has was the most recent acquisition that I think you're talking about. Yeah. As for locations, I'm pretty sure, let me just double check. I'm looking on our website that they're, yeah, they're in greater Indy. Yeah. Um, I don't have all the data points, but having a property management company when we're working with these larger institutions or high net worth mm-hmm. individuals, you know, they're coming to us and saying, how can you service the entire process from acquisition all the way through to property management? I mean, you really have a full stack that not many other companies can provide that level of service in one place. So that 
I, I would say from an institution perspective, that's been a, a big key to our success. From a retail perspective, we, we try to democratize the process for <laughs> investing, right? right? We are not saying, hey, you have to go with Great Jones. It's an option. So right. if you go to our, our website, look at a property and, and you will be able to see three or four options uh, that are associated with any of the properties listed on our website in Indy. So we definitely take pride that we continue to not disrupt, but democratize the process for investing in real estate, which gives all parties options. And if they like an option because it has a roofstock stamp that comes with it, great, because there is a lot of confidence that comes with it. Uh, and it's going to have that local perspective as well. You know, we're not managing it from our, our home office in California. You know, we have actual offices and people in the field that are doing all the work that a property manager would like your, your own company. Okay. Well, you give me a really good overview of Rostock, I think kind of, you know, filled in some gaps for me. What, what else do, do our listeners need to know about Rostock that, that I haven't asked you? Is there anything I'm, I'm missing or anything you want to, any gaps you want to fill in for me? I would just say Roofstock is going to change and Roofstock is going to you know, offer different services and products that maybe are more in line with how the market changes and you know, continue to come back. Uh, but you're going to see these data feeds of properties coming. And it's just a, it's a great place to stay in tune uh, with what's coming to the market and what's going on at Roofstock. You know, we, we want to educate. But I think educating through numbers is, is a really mm -hmm. key goal, but also, you know, educating through just content, you know, and learning about markets and, and finding a place to start and, and get going is, is really key to Roofstock. But, you know, always look to other resources, triangulate data, uh, you know, your net. I would say numbers are always an opinion, whether it's a, a rental estimate, it's a broker price opinion, right. it's an appraisal, um, you know, this is this is important to have high quality data. And we're doing that by triangulating a lot of the data before presenting it to buyers. But, you know, keep running your numbers, but don't be afraid of investing out of state because you can't see, be there to touch it. You know, no companies and, and people like yourself are available and out there and listening to podcasts like this, just give you that extra little bit of warmth. So, you know, don't just connect through Roofstock look at who our partners are and ask the questions or listen to their podcast, you know, to get that outside perspective. But it, it's um, one company trying to do it all and keep all the business isn't going to be a successful model, right. but working with companies like yours, working with agents that are, are local to the market that you can ask the right questions or say, you know what? I don't like that guy. I, mm. I asked all the right questions. I didn't, I don't like what I heard. It doesn't hurt to have a second opinion and go to another agent or, talk to your property manager about some of the same things. Um, you know, agents are definitely salespeople, you know, they, mm -hmm. they're there to sell and get you into property. But uh, as I heard from somebody, you know, you date your agent, you marry your property manager, right. your managers, your property managers in this for the long haul. So right. have that high sense of trust. They're going to help you set actual market rents uh, to, to post those, uh, you know, acquisitions that you make. So, you know, work with your agent, but find your property manager earlier on and Roofstock's got a whole list on our website of all those top property managers that we have partnerships with too. So, uh, I always encourage go, go click around. There's, there's tons of information out there. Uh, and, and we love the fact that we, we can have these great partner relationships, just like what we're doing today. Right. Well, hey, it's, it's, uh, great to get to, 
to talk with you, to get to learn more about you and your company. So if anyone wants to connect with you or Roughstock, what's the best way to do that? Sure. People can email me directly, ask questions. I love, I love when I can connect with people and not feel like there's this large wall between us, right? It's a, mm-hmm. it's a small world, just like what we did. But uh, my email or my name, Mark Woodling, and emails M-W-O-O-D-L-I-N-G at roofstock.com. So mwoodling at roofstock.com. Feel free right. to reach out. All right. Well, Mark, I appreciate you joining me. It's been, yeah, it's been Jeremy. Fun. Yeah, a ton of fun. Uh, yeah. Reach back out in six months. Let's see where we are in the market. <laughs> <laughs> we hope everyone has picked up some information that'll help them in their investing. We'll be back next month with another podcast. In the meantime, we encourage you to share this podcast with your investing friends. Leave us a review and don't hesitate to reach out to us with any questions. Until next time, thank you so much for listening and please stay invested in your investment.